This is the Mediocre Gaming Super Friends Committee. I'm Pugs McGee. You can follow me on Twitch at The Good, The Bad, The Pugly. Follow our Facebook group. And enjoy the show. This is episode eight. And I'm here with Knights, a.k.a. Steven. What's up, everybody? Matt, a.k.a. Warhound. Hey, everyone. And Robert, a.k.a. Lunchbox. What's up, guys? Today, we have a very special guest, Daniel Kabuko. Did I say that right? Yes. Excellent. And you are the principal artist at Sony Interactive Entertainment. Yeah, the visual arts uh, services group in San Diego. That is awesome. What exactly does a principal artist do? Well, hello. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, So, yeah, what I do is a couple of different things. Um, One thing is that uh, our studio in San Diego supports all of the other studios. So uh, anything that they need help with, like, you know, outsourcing or uh, asset building or anything like that, uh, we help with. You know, if you think about it, the teams are upwards of 100 people now per game. And there are still assets to be created. If you look at the asset list, for any given game, it's more than even a hundred person team can create. So we facilitate and support all of that stuff with um, cinematics. With uh, in my in my case, I actually do some outsourcing review things like that for some of our partners and other outsourced companies, as well as internally. And as well, I do uh, facial capture directing. So basically, uh, some of the actors' faces you see one to one in games, or even even characterized faces. I do the capture for the actors and I direct them through a list of facial poses that we use to build a, uh, a facial rig and a facial uh, model. Sometimes digital double, sometimes not like for, for stuff like death scrambling with digital double for stuff like, you know, um, for naughty dog for, uh, you know, last of us Two. it was very characterized. So it's, it just plays the, plays the gamut for that. And uh, also um, in anything else that they might need help with. So any kind of prototyping or any kind of research and development stuff, I'm also involved in. Wow, that, that sounds very involved. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I get to touch every game, which is kind of fun. <laughs> so you designed the titular character for the Legacy of Soul games. Is that is that correct? Uh, for Legacy of Cain Soul Reaver, yeah. Uh, it was myself and a couple of other people involved in that system. But I did the, I did Kane, the titular character, yes, for that. That is fantastic. I played that when I was a kid, and I loved those games. So... I've always been a fan and never even knew it. Well, great. Yeah, that's fun. Like, uh, a lot of uh, people, I get a lot of people, actually. Uh, you know, the game was supposed to be for, like, you know, teens and up, and I get kids who played as young as six years old who come up to me and say, oh, I played this when I was a little kid. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that must have been pretty exciting for you uh, to have have that, you know, have your design in the spotlight like that um it was really a wonderful opportunity and it's really rare nowadays to be able to do that in fact with like so many artists in the game industry so few of them can say they actually designed and modeled and textured the characters you know for a game and have their design just translate over almost almost directly with very little in between so it's just very cool yeah yeah definitely uh very well designed, I've got to say, as well. Uh, uh, thanks. Yeah, there was a lot involved with the design um, of these characters. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of 
a lot of things, and I lecture about concept design as well, Concept Design Academy and a couple of other schools. But some of the things we do is we, you would take these macro ideas, like, you know, um, someone who's seeing himself as a king or someone seeing himself as a martyr or something like that and kind of incorporate those ideas into the design. And Kane's case, the elder Kane, being an evolved vampire who's like thousands of years old, he wanted to create a unique look. So one thing we knew about Kane is he's arrogant. He sees himself as a king and a god. So we took the, I took the design for his skull and I pulled it into an, a kind of an external exoskeletal style skin structure, which was resistant to sunlight. And I pulled it into a crown of bone around his head. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a cool, cool thing to try out. And like, I have a lot of different um, drawings and designs for it that I showed recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll be showcasing further uh, designs and stuff like that. It's pretty fun. Cool process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool to be able to, to take those thoughts and to just uh, turn it into a visual representation like that. Yeah, it's kind of one of the the things that we're sort of trained to do as an illustrator. I, I came from the Art Center College of Design and there was a lot of uh, symbolism pounded into our heads when we were doing our illustrations not, to not just represent something literally, but to find the figurative mm -hmm. elements that you could use to reinforce and layer in and people might discover it later as they go along. Huh. Yeah, that, that's definitely something. Yeah. Um, and uh, Soul River is chock full of that. I get people coming up to me today who are still finding things out about the game's symbologies or the things we put in there or just little things you wouldn't think of twice but when they took a deeper look at it, they realized it was part of the recursive uh, themes and design and motifs that came across in, in that game. Oh yeah, those those games were um, great for that time. That was, that was quite a long time ago now. Yeah, it was. I mean, this technology was really old. We only had like four megabytes of uh, visual RAM, so. Uh yeah. 600 polygons yeah. per character. <laughs> yeah, glover ahead of that. But it was a nice so, exercise in being able to do a lot with very little. I mean, honestly, for that time, that's true. that game did a lot uh, that, you know, PlayStation games, for the most part, couldn't even get close to. Uh, we did a lot of things that were really difficult. Uh, so difficult that if the engineers and programmers knew what they were in for when they were first making it, they wouldn't have done it. <laughs> 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 that's how you push innovation yeah, though you know just yeah. push people to do what they probably would normally that's that's and crazy, still though. to this day i don't think there are that many games that push two worlds overlaid on top of each other that you can switch between in real right, time right that's pretty cool and uh there were a lot of cool oh, ideas yeah. too like um there was the idea that you can't die in soul reaver that instead of dying you get shunted to a, this you know spectral realm and then you have to Right, you're right. Back to being alive again. Hmm. And you know. So, uh, how long did it take for you to come into your art style, uh, like your personal? Me out of art, me out of art school and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say because at the beginning, you know, when you're drawing as a kid you still kind of have your favorite artist and you know what art style you're developing. And then you kind of have these default things that you draw in your sketchbook when you're not drawing something that you're trying to represent literally. So if you're trying to draw a face, you, you have this kind of default face you fall into, it's a default style that you just kind of enjoy. And it grows over time. But I think at art school, it just took like a couple of years. And this is when I discovered um, Painter and the program Painter. And that one has this digital watercolor that's quite unique to the program. 
And it's more like digital marker, but it layers beautifully. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to create these subtle tones and actually have happy accidents. You can't have it that easily with other programs. Even Photoshop kind of doesn't have it quite as much as, as easily as a painter does. So yeah, it took a couple of years after art school to get that that design down. But once I got into it, pretty much in I you know I came out of art school in '93, and it was '99 when I got knocked when we published Soul Reaver. So it was right between that time, I'd say '96, '97. So probably like about mm -hmm. five years, four or five years when you really get into your style, right. and it's still evolving. I mean, I'm still you know trying different techniques. Yeah, I'm sure you're always picking up on things as you go. Yeah, for sure. What, especially what, as what, the technology evolves. What motivated you to get into uh, gaming? Oh uh, well, I've been in video games. I mean, I liked video games ever since my parents got me a computer. It's going to date me a little bit, but when I was in, a, you know, just hitting my teens, my parents got a 286 PC, and before that, we had a Commodore 64, and we had Atari. And I was just a heavy gamer even back then. And um, when it came to uh, art on the PC, it was really difficult to do. So, you know, we had to develop our, I had to develop my, my 2D skills on pencils and, and with paint. But I've always been interested in games ever since I was a young kid. And to the point where I would actually work really hard to get my games to work on PC. Because back then, not everything just booted up and ran. It was actually quite an extended process for having to have a game work. Especially Lucas, huh? You had to move that oh, RAM yeah. around. You had to get a boot up disk. You had to do all kinds of stuff. But you know, computers back then had very little memory, so you had to kind of work with what you got. Mm. But from there, I kind of always thought that games would be, you know, could benefit from more, even even better art, you know. And then hopefully one day you could bring all the things that we like into it. So even back then when I was playing games, there were a lot of things that I felt were missing and that I felt like were really cool. Right. Like there were. When I was growing up, I was into Transformers, G.I. Joe. I really liked Battle of the Planets, a lot of um, mecha, a lot of anime. Error, nice. And I always wanted that stuff reflected in the designs that I saw, but I didn't see it at the time. So it was more about figuring out, like, oh, I really like, would like to see this in the game sometime, you know? And there's some other things I really enjoy as well. Um, you know, uh, there were a lot of, like, crazy creatures from, like, going to Guy's World, and uh, which we did uh, Devilman, and... I really like this that kind of macabre design stuff and you just never saw the sensibilities in a game. So I always kind of hungered to put that stuff in a game or at least be able to work on it. Um, and I grew up in Fresno, California, which was right next to Sierra online. So you would see their games all the time. And I would just, you know, I really love their games, but I also want to see more um, intrinsic visual designs from like, other things going into it. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where it was. And when I got into art school, I basically kept track of my computer skills and my literacy for being able to, like, I, can, I can still like, you know, do a lot of stuff in DOS and stuff like that. And even when I was young on the TRS-80, my brother and I programmed uh, a game on the TRS-80, which was really simple, but it was really cool to be able to have some rudimentary graphics and some really cool like um, yes or no kind of gameplay with uh, text and stuff like that. And that was the fun experience for me. And after that, I was kind of hooked on being able to create something as opposed to just playing stuff. Yeah, and well, it's like, I guess it's like a dream come true for you, though, yeah. to give yeah. Them, uh, yeah. I mean, I hear a lot of different stories about the game industry, but I, I, for me, it's been 
I feel very lucky and that it's been very rewarding for me and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I heard that it's pretty tough to really get into the industry and to, uh, you know, keep uh, job stability. So how how difficult was it for you, especially back then? Um, so I think the barrier to entry for video games is much higher now than it was back then. Uh, back in the 90s, there was a dearth of, of um, art talent. There wasn't enough people who knew how to do art and were computer literate. So they were just snapping up people out of art schools like crazy to try and get and train them up to get them in the industry. And you could tell that even because of how odd some of the graphics looked in some games that, you know, they were just grabbing whoever. And um, so there was this sense that, <laughs> you know, I can bring something to the table and that people who could illustrate or draw had a real advantage back then. Um, so for me, it was a lot easier. Uh, now it's a, the bar is much higher because you have to be able to, you know, specialize in like you're doing like, texturing or if you're doing modeling or if you're doing 2d there's there's different levels of concept for character for environment um even world building and in, in unreal so many different aspects to it now that you can specialize in um so i feel like the barrier is higher in some areas and lower in others so it's i feel like i, I got in at the right time um and i feel like yeah. stability wise i've been lucky and that i've always been able to land a job in the industry and work with some really great people and some really great franchises so, I mean, not only Legacy of Kane, but I've also worked on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Tomb Raider, um, you know, have been able to oh. touch every Sony game that's mm. come out in recent times for the PS4, published by Sony, which has been really nice. Like, you know, God of War, and, uh, you know, Ghost of Shima, uh, just, you know, everything that's come out lately, <laughs> and uh, Death Stranding. So it, it's been cool to do that. Yeah, that's, it's really impressive uh, just how many, you know, AAA amazing games that you've uh, been a part yeah, of. Yeah, I've been a small part of those games. Like, mind you, these are huge teams of people working on it, and I get that it's right. just it's such a big production now. Look at the credits list; it's just you know minutes and minutes long. But to be able <laughs> yeah, to share yeah, that, yeah, right? You know, work with these fantastic teams has been a real, real honor for me. I feel real lucky in that respect, and I've been able to get some longevity in the industry because of that. I think you know, I have over twenty three years, 24 years now of industry experience. So it's nice to be able to, uh, you know, say those kind of things and see actually 25 now. Jeez. Wow. I mean, each generation of PlayStation or each generation of console has been like fantastic to work on and just to see what, what doors open, what things you can do. It's been fantastic. Yeah, I guess every console that's, brings that's out a so whole cool. new world for you guys. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, you think you'll have all the room in the world, especially when you go from, you know, PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2. You're like, oh, my gosh, I got so much more room now. I can do whatever I want. And other things come up and right, right. quickly find that wall. Uh, I think one of our engineers told us one time when we started on the PS2 that, you know, you can't slow this machine down. We found a way to it in the first week. But on the other hand... Uh, you know, as the doors open up, it really asks more of us to be able to put in creativity and, and to be able to make great gameplay, not just rely on graphics to, you know, wow people. Because just like a movie that has pretty visuals but no substance, the game has to have good gameplay and a great story to kind of really real people. Oh, that's 100%. That's yeah. great. That's a great mentality. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. People tend to get caught up on the graphics a lot. And I'm like, 
there's so much more going on and you know it's nice to have that that spectacle to woo you and bring you in but at the end of the day if you don't have the story and you don't have the gameplay or if it's incredibly buggy like <laughs> cyberpunk <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> you know yeah I, I think the the thing about graphics is it's easily measurable like you can look at it and see you know C is better than A, mm. you know, you can say, oh, you know, this generation is much better than last generation. Even now it's getting a little more subtle. Like, it gets more and more subtle every generation, like, because from PlayStation 2, it's huge right. leap, but from four to five, it's a little more right. subtle, like frame rate leap and a more, like, you know, reflections kind of thing, but there aren't any more necessarily like polygons mm-hmm. per character. And we were starting to hit that delta where you were starting to max out on certain things. However, for things like gameplay and storyline, it's hard for us to also articulate, you know, like that this story is better than that story or this gameplay is better than that, that gameplay in terms of like a really easily measurable scale. You can't, it work here. Mm-hmm. You can't this has more, Everybody's more hours of, of story in it. It's like that's not a good metric. So we don't have a good metric for describing what we like about games other than to say that this had a really cool storyline or this had, you know, some really amazing moment to gameplay or this had something revolutionary in it but it's it's really hard to see that you know just even watching a trailer you have to get your hands on it and i think mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. absolutely i think we no i'm just uh, saying like you know a game sorry, like that for me was uh, horizon zero dawn when i first thought i wasn't quite sure it looked kind of interesting i wasn't sure about the robot but once i started playing it it was so much fun to just shoot dinosaurs with these <laughs> until the dinosaurs you are not wrong started there. Uh, eating you and all that stuff yeah, yeah. i mean it looked time. great but i just wasn't sure about the gameplay because you had a bow and arrow versus like you know, creatures. but then right right once you got all your different tools machines it was yeah. so much fun to make traps and to you know um, lure animals in certain areas or hit them with like different your different weapons um, and rip weapons off of them and use it yeah. against them that was awesome too and so um, I thought that was fantastic. And that's and, something that you can't necessarily see until you get your hands on it and, and experience it and feel the butter, you know, how buttery smooth the gameplay was. Yeah. Um, and that's not, and, and you're right, it's not something quantifiable. It's not like, oh, this gameplay is A tier compared to this. It's just somebody else could play it and they hate it. You know, it, it's so, well, it's I, so person to person for sure. But you have to just try your best to get it to where it's comfortable and smooth and fun yeah. for as many people as possible. This is that's one of the reasons why console sure. development versus PC development is so kind of polarizing because I think that when you develop for a console, you're developing for that controller mm-hmm. or that machine for that frame rate with a bunch of like really solid knowledge about how it's going to play. Whereas with the PC, even though, you know, people have mega PCs and stuff like that, you have to be able to adapt it for keyboard and mouse and for controller and for a, a low end PC and for, you know, whatever kind of combination of things they'll have in terms of monitors and stuff like that. So it, it becomes um, a little like wider in the gameplay, less less pared down and specialized, like, depending on the kind of game it is. But if you're talking about action adventure, third person, you know, kind of graphics, uh, it gets really polished on, on consoles because that is, you know, that's what people play all the time. You grab it like Spider-Man or, or Horizon Zero Dawn and, or God of War, and you will just keep on working and tweaking the interaction and gameplay until it's like buttery smooth. Whereas games that are adapted from PC, and I love the game mm-hmm. The Witcher, it's a little more clumsy on like hand-to-hand combat. It's a great game. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love the game. But if you 
play it on console, it's just not quite as smooth interaction wise as like a console made game like God of War. And sort of the same thing for like mm-hmm. um, uh, even Dragon's mm-hmm. Age Inquisition. It's much better to be a mage or like an archer than to be uh, a thief archer than a than, a, than an actual fighter because the interaction of combat isn't quite as smooth or as polished as it is for something like God of War, where every little interaction like really shows and it feels really solid. Yeah. yeah uh, oh, that's a really good point. You know, a lot of people wouldn't have would have wouldn't have thought about that. You know, sort of that that PC build compared to console build. Like, you know, people are, oh well, it's God of War. Oh well, it's a game. You know, it's just it is what it is. But they don't think about necessarily the the minute details like that. Well, we have to. Oh, we have to make it for PC too. Then we have to take all these other factors into yeah. account. That's why this game is like yeah, this, it, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, now people have plugged in their controllers into PCs now, but that's an option. And so it's hard, even cyberpunks kind of suffered from that, unfortunately, you know, if, if they had been able to develop it on a console, they wouldn't have had all the ambitions they had because of, you know, just how limiting consoles can be. And that's, I understand that completely. But I think it would have been a lot smoother of a development cycle. And that simply is because if you look mm-hmm. at a PC, imagine that as a giant box. And if you imagine a console, imagine that as a smaller box. The console has all the information in a smaller box, right? It's easier to put stuff from a smaller box into a bigger box than to put stuff that's in a bigger box into a smaller box. Does that make sense, an analogy? Yeah. So all the stuff, when you try to make something on a PC first and put it on a console, you have to cram all this stuff inside of there. And the poor consoles, you know, it's bulging up the seams, stuff's falling off the edges. Whereas if you've got stuff in a smaller box, console and you put it in a bigger one, it fits easier and it runs better. <laughs> it might not look as good as a PC game or have as much of the vast kind of stuff in it, but a little sure as heck place mover. And uh, the only thing that went against that for me was um, poor Batman, you know, um, that was such a beautiful game on, on console and it just suffered unfortunately from um, being developed by a third party on PC because it should have been an easy translation to PC, but for some reason, I guess because a third party was doing it, it got really mangled on pc yeah it's Arkham Knight, that's what that it's strange i could see that Regular. yeah it's strange how they uh like to outsource it to third parties to uh well honestly it's it's not easy uh it might seem like it's easy it's not you, get, you need a lot of people to do it like a whole nother team uh, when i was working on tomb raider we had a team for for legend we had a team for uh, PS2, and I was I jumped over to the Xbox 360 team, start doing improvements there, and we had a separate team. Even though it was easier to put stuff from a small box than a bigger box, we had to up-res everything. We had to add normal maps, which the you know the, the PS2 version didn't have normal maps, so we had to add that for the Xbox uh, 360. Mm-hmm. And we made Lara a little different. We added all kinds of cool effects, like her getting wet and dirty, and so. There was a, a lot of cool technology, but you need a separate team for that. And if you don't want to invest in a separate team, then you have to have an outsourced company do it. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. That makes There's sense. just too many variables for just one team to handle. All the all poor guys would be on crunch forever. Yeah. Just... Yeah, right. They'd be working 120 <laughs> right, hours right, a week. Right, exactly. And... <laughs> yeah. never, they'd never leave the office, yeah. Yeah. I was going to follow up with uh, Pug's question. What do you think you would have been if you didn't make it into the industry today? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of different things I could think of. Um, 
maybe an illust a regular illustrator, uh, but if not in if, if not in art, then I don't know. Maybe either um, maybe a mechanic or a, a driver, um, car driver, like getting into racing and stuff like that would be mm -hmm. fun. Or you know, uh, I drive a twin turbo Toyota Supra. I just got back from you know taking her out, and uh, it's a lot of fun to drive. It's just fun Gran Turismo and stuff. And yeah, I think. That, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Lot well, of you fun. could definitely race with that thing. Do you take that to the track? Uh, I take it around the city. I haven't taken it to the track yet because I'm kind of in the middle of, I just I just converted it to a manual from an automatic uh, myself. That was my pandemic project. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah and my, my next project is to make it single yeah, turbo fair. and kind of crank up the horsepower. Hopefully I can double it, but in any case, um, yeah, that's the next thing. And then once I, once I get into that stage, then I'll take it to the track. Uh, I used to always take a, my, my ex-wife's Miata to the track as well, and that was a lot of fun. That sounds awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty uh, well into cars cool. as well. What do you drive? Um, I have nice. a Dodge Demon. Powerful. Yeah, uh, a... that thing scares me a little too much sometimes. I believe that whole lot. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> you don't even need to touch it when you um you get it out of the the store. I don't think they're yeah, yeah. Anymore, actually, you gotta be careful, you know. And the, the a lot of people who who have the horsepower and don't know how to handle it, and they end up wrapping their car around the pole and stuff because they're stuck. Oh, yeah. They just don't know. They just like smash their foot on the ground and don't realize what they have to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you hit a corner and it's game over. They just shoot. Cool. You're out the window. Yeah, my uh, my plan nice. is to buy the Camaro 2SS this year. Nice. Yeah. I'm thinking probably around oh, May. Cool. That's when I should have the bathroom paid off. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. <laughs> Great <-looking> car. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was going to ask. Oh. Well, I drive, if anyone's curious, a uh, 2002 Oldsmobile. So. <laughs> we <were in. laughs> uh, what project have you enjoyed working on the most? Yeah, it's kind of like asking who's your favorite kid, but um, there's <laughs> everybody's got their favorite kid. I have don't, to say don't, that don't, the don't, most worry, don't tell the other ones, though. Like, artistically, with Soul Reaver. Uh, because I got to put stuff in there that was just me. That was just my ideas and my the things that I really thought were cool that people really hadn't seen much of yet. Like um, some of the some of the gear and some of the weaponry is kind of based on my different interests and you know um, the things that I thought were cool looking. Like actually, some bondage gear actually looks really cool. Like you incorporate that through design and get to put that in the game. Get to put some different. Um, like cool looking weapons. I, when I was a kid, I played D and D a lot, and so there are a lot of D and D um, influence style style weapons and things like that that are in there. Um, there's a lot of concepts that, that are just from other other things that I enjoyed that are in there, and uh, it's just been a lot of fun because that that's where you can kind of make up your own style too. Like we had our own kind of neo. Mm vampiric style that was based on you know not being afraid of pain you know and so some of these vampires had like cotter pins shoved into their bodies because they just heal if you pull it out so what you know what what constitutes pain what constitutes and i like to ask these kind of questions whenever i develop a game like what constitutes 
you know, uh, something new about this this phase of being. If you were an immortal vampire who didn't feel pain, and oh, you felt pain, but you could heal instantly with blood, then what wouldn't matter? I mean, you could take jewelry to a whole new level. You could flay your spine, and it would look really cool, and you could just heal. And after like several hundred <laughs> years, you might get bored enough to do it. So there was this idea that, you know, having a vampire that pieces himself together and displays jewelry from like other, they, there's this group of vampire called Malkaihim and they are, um, they could, they, their bodies are falling apart. And never thought that was really, you know, sad for them, but they actually enjoyed it because they could take other body parts and sew it onto them. And they would see those trophies and victories. And so they'd have stitches and scars and all kinds of cool things that would actually help them look cooler in their eyes and their, their clan's eyes. And that was something we kind of celebrated with that. We celebrated the differences and the otherness of it. Um, and conversely, the other one I was, it, this game didn't come out, but it was recently talked about. And so I guess I can talk about it now is that I worked on Highlander that, for a game that was supposed to come out. And that was one that was going to have, um, be dealing with immortality and pain um, and death uh, or lack of your inability to die and how that worked. And one of the cool things about that game was that we got to talk about um, memory and how that works. We had these things called memory echoes, which actually had these cool, like around the main character, and she was, she was, her name was Katya. We have this like sphere up here around her that actually would change the environment from like the modern times back to the olden times. And as she walked around, she remembers it all mm. differently. So she could see like an ancient castle in Japan, what it looked like back in, when it was, you know, brand new and versus when it was like demolished and covered with a mall or something like that. And uh, one thing we, we explored with that that was really cool was that, um, you know, what does death mean in a video game? Because in a video game, normally you die, you start over again, you know, death doesn't mean anything in a video game, really. But we had to make death matter. And we, for, immortality, for immortality to matter, death had to matter. And the way we did that was by having, whenever she died, quote unquote died, and she came back to life, the characters around her who saw it would react. They're like, oh my God, what the hell, you know? And there are also things that she could do where, for example, she had to cross this really long chasm, but she knew she couldn't do it. She's like, you know, cut across that chasm, you know, you'll fall to your death. Wait, fall to my death doesn't mean anything. So she would just jump off the cliff, smash into frame, broken and dead, and then come back to life and slowly start popping her arms and limbs back into place. And uh, we have video for that too. Which is cool. <laughs> wow. Um, I'll probably be posting it on my Facebook page. It's just super, I mean, at least a link to the interview that showed some of that stuff was really cool. And that was one of my favorite games to work on because, again, it was hmm. all, it was, I felt like it was a part of me going into it because I love Highlander. I love the whole world and I love the idea of, of not being able to die and what that meant and being able to explore the fact that you couldn't die, but it still hurt and you could explore that. It was really cool. You could really abuse the main character. And they do So yeah, we we had a scene where she was fighting a dozens and dozens of guys, and more people are coming in, and she's fighting in the store, and it's on fire, and she she just realized that you know people are never ending; they keep people keep running in there after. Her. So she sees a gasoline, she cuts it, and the whole room explodes, killing everybody. And she comes out of it supremely messed up, like burns everywhere, but she starts healing out of it, you know, and starts walking out of it. And it sucked, but she you know she does she can't die, so you know. As long as it didn't blow her head off, she was fine. <laughs> and that was one of my favorites. Yeah, no, it's... Um, it's I did a lot, a lot of fun to work on. Yeah. I think that was a, a great Damn. one. And Buffy, Buffy was also another one that I really loved working on because it was one of my favorite franchises. I really enjoyed the TV series a lot. And being able to get in there and design the, the mm -hmm. 
undead and the vampires and the different characters, the hellhound, and and also think about creative ways to kill vampires, which we did in Soul Reaver and took it like a crazy step further in, in Buffy. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, now that was uh, it was for the Xbox. It was the first was one, GameCube. the first uh, Buffy game, and yeah, but that's yeah, the yeah, yeah, generation, yeah. the same generation as GameCube, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, it was fun. I got GameCube to work with a great guy named James Goddard, who was uh, <laughs> one of the original guys to work on Street Fighter, uh, and he is a fighting game god in terms of like being able to understand things like frame advantage, timing how fighting games work and how feel works, like the actual feel of a fighting game. And so um, with him, and mm-hmm. I worked really closely with him to work the animations and designs out so that, you know, I even drew out some of the combat moves so that when we worked with the stunt people, we could capture moves that would work in really cool combos um, and that would become like almost fighting game smooth, but for a third person adventure game. And that was a big goal for all of us because I love fighting games too. I like playing Street Fighter. Yeah, we've all been um, yeah, yeah, playing awesome. Dragon Ball Fighters actually. Yeah, the combo systems are, you know, the feel of combo systems is like just generations of, of knowledge being layered on top of each other. So yeah, yeah. it's like you know, it was it was a really lot of just a lot of fun to work on. And recently, one of the, one of the fun games to work on for mm-hmm. me was um, Death Stranding because I got to meet all the actors for it and scan them and you know. Mads Mikkelsen is awesome, and nice. you know everybody's just awesome on that game, and it was just a lot of fun oh, to work cool. with them uh, and be able to scan them and talk to them about stuff. And I think that's my favorite part about the current job I'm in is that I get to meet all these cool actors and talk to them about their experiences and what they like. And if they play video games, it's even more fun. So, yeah, gaming has really blown up over the last yeah, yeah, what, totally. decade or so. Definitely becoming more, uh, more mainstream, and you know, a, a big form of media. They make a lot of money. Make a lot of money off of games, though. Yeah, it's almost less <laughs> common to find. Yeah, that's that for sure. At this point. Uh, yeah, the games industry has gotten huge, and it's constantly evolving too. So it's it's fun to see how even where middleware has gone is pretty interesting. It's all going to cell phones now because it's cheaper to make, um, you know, shovelware for for um, cell phone games and stuff. And the delays have stuck around the console and mm-hmm. PC market, which is really great mm-hmm. to see in terms of just getting quality content out there. And yeah. Well, yeah. Um... So, just out of curiosity, uh, a game like Spider Man, uh, is it more difficult to to create with the, like the web swinging, like the different? Um, uh, yes and no. It, it, I mean, you've you know seen I mean? like several Spider Man games, and they have all had varying levels of success. My favorite, other than the most recent Spider Man game, my favorite was Spider Man Two, which on PlayStation, which was amazing. The web so smooth. But what's nice was Insomniac yes. had Sunset Overdrive yes. technology already. So when they were tapped to do Spider-Man, you know, there was a, a nice match there between the technology they already had and what they were bringing to the table, right? You know, so there was this really cool gameplay and they were able to incorporate that into their, their Spider-Man game. And of course, tweak it and make it exactly what they needed it to be, but they had a good base of knowledge for how that would work. And you had your, your fans who really loved Spider-Man 2 and knew that the web thing intrinsically was really important to the game's success. 
And sometimes games are developed in ways that are unusual and that there's already a gameplay there and they wrap something cool around it. And oddly enough, it works for that game and becomes makes it really powerful. And I think one good example of that is kind of like Batman, where um, when Arkham Asylum was first created, as far as I understand it, this is not first-hand knowledge, I heard this stuff, but I heard that it was a different game altogether. And then they were able to wrap Batman around it. And then it became this amazing game, you know, and, and that's kind of cool too, because sometimes you get good gameplay, but you don't have the right, um, maybe characterization or the right story behind it. And then you get something like Batman as a franchise to wrap around it and just fits perfectly. And so for Spider-Man, you know, there's that same kind of thing where you have this great gameplay or at least the knowledge of gameplay in terms of what to do. And Insomniac, those guys are amazing. And being get like a Spider-Man franchise, it's nice to be able to marry those things together and just see how far you can take it. And, you know, like I said, you've got your fans of the original games the, and being able to look at what was good and what was bad about the other Spider-Man games, I think that, that was really important. Um, you know, because I, I think that, again, experience good and bad is a lot, it gives you wisdom. And that wisdom makes for better gameplay and for making better game decisions. Yeah, uh, the new Spider-Man yeah. games are pretty... And by no means is that easy. I mean, they, hats sure. off, they did a phenomenal job with it. I saw it through various stages of development. And, you know, I saw the problems and issues that they came up with and what was hard and what was easy about it. And that was, there was a lot of more hard stuff than what easy stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, from... I mean, even if you don't, know anything about making video games you can't yeah, you can't yeah. look at that game and and, and go oh well, uh, that, that must have been easy <laughs> yeah. oh the way he flips around when you right oh no exactly. i could yeah, do that no was, no no you, it was definitely <laughs> something where <laughs> there's none of that as soon as you got the controller and start feeling it and felt that how good it was to web around you can just web around the city for hours and be like just fine that's my therapy you know? i'll do that sometime <laughs> I'll do that sometime. oh you know, i did beat up criminals and keep going just enjoy it <laughs> Uh, that was uh, one of the first things I did was in the, well, I never played Miles, Miles Morales yet because I don't have a PS5. Yeah. The Spider-Man PS4, the uh, the backpacks. That was one of the first things yeah. I did was just no, enjoying I'm, I'm 100% the city, both collecting both backpacks. Miles Morales and, and the original Spider-Man. Blast. I, I, I'm working on it. You guys are Miles Morales. It's a lot of fun. He's got cool powers. <laughs> and there's like the stealth gameplay. Everything's been improved about it. Because I think the one thing I did, I didn't really... Um, I didn't really enjoy all that much was that in original Spider-Man when you were stealth taking down a, a you know a, a base no matter what you did no matter how stealthy you were at the end of the of that you know mission they discover you and everyone comes running out and you had no contact you had no choice yes. whereas in Wild, if you're if you take everyone out with I stealth you took everyone out with mm -hmm, stealth that's yeah. and that's mm -hmm. pretty awesome and that you know, yeah it's yeah. good wisdom again it's like stuff that yeah, that bothered me in Spider-Man doesn't bother me at all in Miles Morales, which means, you know, it's evolving gameplay. It's awesome. Hats off to the designer that did that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't... Oh, yeah. I don't think I ever sure. managed to clear a whole base stealth. I always blew it at some point. <laughs> that sounds just like me, man. It's just like when I play Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I love the games. I love the story, but, like, the stealth <laughs> gameplay is just not for me. Like, I'll sit there. I remember in uh, Metal Gear 4, beginning of the game i would sit there for like a solid hour just passing out the guards control stuff and whatnot and 
I'm like, all right, I think I got this now. Nope, I blew yeah. it somehow, and then ended up having to go have, guns blazing. I had a friend who <laughs> loved time. Hitman every time, and he would always play it with only one kill, which is your target. He wouldn't kill anybody else, and it was crazy to do it that way because he would do this crazy. You'd see them run between people, and they're like, oh, but how, how'd they not see you? Oh, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> and he would say over and over again until he got to the point where you <laughs> one kill. You're your target. That's it. Oh. No one else would die. <laughs> I was like, how? How are you doing this? See, that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, really cool. Elio, he's, like, he's awesome. That you can do that. That game has a ton of variety. I love it. The new VR games they came out with. Oh, they're, a, they're a ton of fun if you've never played them. Really? I, I didn't that, see that. Oh, like yeah, yeah. Really I saw cool. that. Oh, that's VR gonna is awesome. still a neat. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, I don't know how you could do that, but, you know, if Elio is listening up One there, kill in VR. I'm sure you're going to do it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, speedruns also blow me away. They'll show us a lot. They'll give us a speedrun strat. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah man. Especially for like, the Souls game. <laughs> <laughs> Watching somebody beat Dark Souls with a DDR pad. Like, all right. <laughs> oh, that that's a, that's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. I watched that. I'm just embarrassed. Well, that's funny, like, I, you, I can't you, even call myself think, a gamer. Oh, I'm always going to understand. Is, I'll always understand thing. interfaces. And I'll always understand people computers. Do, I'll always understand games. I'll always be good at them. And then, you know, get older and see some 12-year-old kid just wail on this game and just crush it. Yeah, he beat it with the the USB Mario Kart joystick uh, steering wheel controller, and you're like, "What is happening?" I don't even know. Like, they're just the kids nowadays. I mean, you know, they they evolve with the stuff. You know, it, it's like us when we were playing video games and stuff as kids. Like my mom tries to play Mario Kart, it's a, it's it's just it's hilarious. She's driving in back and she's driving backwards. She's sliding around everywhere. You know. But then you play against I play against a you know a, a six year old kid and they're just trashing me. I mean yeah, they're just exactly. crushing At everybody. Point, you're gonna it's become like, it's just your mom and not be able to you know do the holographic backwards mega jump and you have to find the bucket right as you land, Dad. Uh, I don't understand this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember I was like four or five years old. And dad used to call me up out of the basement to get the NES started for him. Right, I was right. The only one exactly. that I was thinking, get yeah. it going. Just, just know that one day you're going to be the grandpa who doesn't know how to you know, activate the mental link That's between fun. you and the uh, VCR. Think about it, grandpa. <laughs> Think about what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, back in. Exactly. Right. Well, back in my day, all you had to do was all one to win the fight. They're going to get some kids all death sixing you in, in me. games, too. They'll be like, just think about quitting. Okay. Oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's going to be real mean. Mario and they'd sit there with a the guitar in their hand. Every time they jumped with Mario, you'd see their hands go I, with them. Hey, when I was younger, I'd, I'd dodge fireballs that way and do them, you know? Oh, yeah. Over and be like, oh, God. <laughs> My grandpa actually kind of blew me away because he 
uh, I, I had to have been like maybe seven or eight. It was just PS2 era, and he had Call of Duty uh, Frontline, and he beat that game. I'm like, you're you're sixty <laughs> something years old, and you just beat a Call of Duty game? What there is happening? Go. Right? He beat Sometimes the game. He walked through. He was great at it. I'm like, what is happening right yeah. now? I think there was um. And so I, was, I learned uh, from the best. One guy who, who developed, I think it was a Star Wars. They're playing the Star Wars RPG game, um, and it's a it's a tabletop game, and the one of the guys who was running the games that was for a public kind of, you know, to the public beta test kind of thing. Well, one of the guys who came up to play it who didn't really understand what was going on was this old World War II um, military vet. And he was, and, you know, there was four other kids with him like from other, other groups. And they just kind of got together and he's like asking the, the DM, like, so these guys who are fighting, they're kind of like Nazis? Yeah, space Nazis. And we're sort of like rebels. Yeah, like, you know, like the resistance in France, like the, the space version of them. And like, I got it. As soon as he did that, he organized all of the kids into fire teams, set them up, and actually created this one thing. And the, the DM said they beat the game, the, the scenario he had, which he ran normally for at least uh, half an hour, in like 16 minutes. They ran through it and they actually like, you know, overlapping fire. He was, he, because he'd gone through this, you know, he actually was in the war and he knew how to organize people. So he just took over command set up ways to kill them where they couldn't they couldn't get shot and they could shoot them and it was just really cool to see someone organized like that and have that kind of experience and even for a, even those tabletop it was amazing to see to hear about that story and that's kind of yeah, what no, you know great. we hope yeah, to always have in gaming it's like these really cool cross-generational experiences and for people who understand games or play games you know to be able to interface the next generation as they move on to the next thing to be able to still be able to connect and be able to apply your experiences. It's just fun that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's like, that's like any kind of media though. You know, if a, you know, if a movie is, is good for the kids, but the, the parents hate yeah, sitting through it, you know, you want to make something that's, that, that the yeah. parents will love as long with the kids. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's, it, I understand that completely. Uh, Disney's professional at that. Like the, the amount of jokes going back and watching old Disney movies, the amount yeah, of adult sure. jokes that I get for now sure. that I didn't get when I was a kid. I think the same thing happens even with, like I was talking about before, Soul Reaver, when these people who are six years old playing it come up to me and say, oh, I played it recently. Oh my God, <laughs> there's so much more I get. But yeah, well, you know, <laughs> if you went through a literary class and the Gnostic Hero's journey, then you'd understand Raziel a lot better. So it's kind of interesting when you kind of have it from that perspective. Yeah, it's cool how you can, uh, you know, play games like that and still enjoy them without having that kind of insight. But then, you know, whenever you're old enough and whatnot, and you have that insight that it makes it even more. Enjoyable exactly. Yeah, no, that's, make those kinds that's of definitely true. We, we talk about connections. It's It's really about being able to tap into, you know, that feeling you had when you were a kid and you picked up a stick and running around a forest, you know, fighting trolls and, and slaying monsters. And that, just tapping into that feeling that happened through all of us as storytellers and even as like that tribal part of your brain that still wants to fight for something you believe in. And just being able to do that as a, for a AAA experience anyway, I'm not talking about Candy Crush, but right, right. for something where yeah, exactly. Angry Birds. <laughs> uh, when you're talking about something Angry where you're birds. trying to create an experience that people get into, 
you try to tap into that primal feeling of you know puzzle solving and for um, hunting and, and for movement and just being able to do cool stuff and what constitutes that. And I think one thing that's been fun is about being able to apply traditional art rules to a lot of stuff that we do in gaming because it still applies and being able to see that that come to life is just really satisfying. Yeah. And you have a, an advantage, you know, over a lot of people when in terms of that, because, you know, I know a lot of people who they do one or the other. Some are really good with computers, but they're not super great drawing and things like that and you know regular paper and then other people are the opposite but you are you obviously are very skilled at both so i mean your your ability to adapt and change the different situations is i mean clear to see on the on the screens you know when we're playing the games it's really cool to be able to look at those pieces of art you know and say hey these people work. Yeah, this, yeah. This is hard I appreciate that. It was at its finest. It's, this is I what feel it's uniquely about, positioned you know? in that way, but I, you know, like I said, like the people have been getting so good at every aspect of it now in terms of their artists who can draw now, who can learn to sculpt and ZBrush and all kinds of stuff like that. And I think that that just shows like if you understand the basic rules of art, you are going to be way better off than someone who just jumps mm -hmm. in and starts trying to slap pixels around and stuff like that or polygons. Um, a basic understanding of art art theory is going to give you a much better mm -hmm. foundation for understanding right, right. why something's working or something's not and to build your aesthetic you have to build your aesthetic up to like what you what you know looks good what you think looks good what will work what won't you have to build that up for yourself through experiences you, you can't substitute that any other way but i think that's you know what people have picked up on by and large and why you know again games have evolved as, as beautifully as they have Oh yeah. Oh, talk about evolving. I guess. Um, what is your hopes for the future of the gaming industry, uh, especially with PS Five and um, the new generation? There's a lot of different hopes now. I have for it. Um, you know, in terms of technology, I would like to see us stop racing for polygons and start racing for other things and start looking at different ways. I think one thing the PS Five does that's really smart is that it has an SSD drive that makes loading and unloading experience incredibly fast. Um, if you play Spider-Man and Miles Morales on it, you will just transition yep. so quickly from inside to outside. There's no wait time. Um, and in fact, it's kind of the one problem we have is that you can't give anybody hints anymore because usually you do it during the loading time. But the subway is genius. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm hoping to see more technology right. along those lines. Like um, if you guys know what normal maps are, which is basically right. a 3D bump map solution in three dimensions, which which basically it's a way for making more detail when there isn't that much detail in there. Like, so small things like veins and wrinkles or things like that. And traditionally, um, we have animated wrinkle maps for mm -hmm. faces now, where, you know, if someone squints at you, the wrinkles around their eyes will actually appear because we animate the normal maps. Whereas, um, hopefully, you know, we'll get more of that kind of technology and everything else, like clothing. Because as a character runs around the screen and you're in third person behind them, that's what you see most of the time. Like, you know, Nine times out of ten, it's the back of the character that you're looking at, and that's staring you in the face, and it's taking up a good quarter of the screen. And so having that animate realistically with the animated normal maps would be really cool. That's one technology I'd love to see kind of grow. Um, other things are like VR in terms of like being able to understand the, uh, the experience for mm -hmm. it. 
Um, and I'm really excited by even what's happening with Mandalorian and uh, they've got the LED screens now that happen where they are able to project the actual environment onto a 3D on a, an actual screen instead of a green screen. They actually have a giant LED TV set kind of thing where they actually put the background there. And if you guys haven't looked it up yet, you guys should check it out. Um, there's actually uh, living screens. They aren't green screens. And the actor can see what they're interfacing with. Like if a ship is tumbling towards you, they can see it and react to it. Yeah. You have Mandalorian's armor. I don't know if you've watched Oh, that's cool. Really I've never armor. heard of that. I actually and didn't know Getting that. that armor shine, if it was green screen, you get all this kind of crazy yeah. green all over it, which would suck to digitally take out. But with, with the screens, it reflects what's out there. And the LED lighting right. that actually is set up around the room is, is matched one-to-one -one with the scene and projected into the world. And the backgrounds are real-time created in Unreal. So oh. they use Unreal to make the backgrounds, That's cool. use That's the awesome. lighting information to, to set up the LED lights that are actually in the studio and match all the lighting together. And That's pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I had, I had no idea that was a thing. That's that's and, a great idea. I mean, that's just thinking be about it. Incredibly helpful. Yeah, and if you guys ever saw that Tom Cruise movie Oblivion, see what the hell there's a making on. of. Um, they have the, I believe it's called the Sky Sky Temple, Sky Tree, Sky Base, whatever the, the base is that's in like basically in the atmosphere, and they have a really cool glass set. Everything is glass and mirrored, and mm -hmm. around it. What they did was they, mm -hmm. they filmed um, on top of a volcano with cameras in 360 degrees on top of this volcano, all these different atmospheres going on, you know, like the day to night cycle, all the clouds come rolling in, sunset, sunrise, and they projected that onto the screens around them. And if you ever watch the making of it, you can see this. Mm -hmm. It's on YouTube as well. You can watch it. But basically, the whole, the whole base is, is surrounded by these giant screens where they're being projected this beautiful skyline. And you can, it's just reflected into the glass and into the metal, and it looks like a complete environment. And so something like that is gorgeous. And that's, they took it one step further with Mandalorian, and that's what they're doing with that. I would love to see um, amusement parks using that kind of technology to make even more stuff. They kind of do it with, with the Falcon Run in Disneyland, where they because they use, like I think, four video cards to project, maybe six video oh, cards yeah, to project the... Uh, the the environment around the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, so you can look up and you can look left and right, and it looks really cool. Uh, but uh, further, you know, even take that a step further and really make a nice resolution, and maybe put in 360 degrees in the round would be awesome. Um, and so the marriage of gaming and filming and even um, you know park technology would be really cool to see coming together. The arcade experience died off because they weren't offering anything you couldn't get at home. <laughs> Whereas if you build something that you can't get at home, people yeah. will go check it out. Right. Yeah, that's yeah definitely. For sure. So we keep, uh, we keep touching on VR. Uh, do you think VR is going to evolve in a big way or do you think it's going to die out uh are we gonna are we gonna get some deep dive vr like uh in sword art online vr technology still rough in, the, in its nascent stages <laughs> i don't think it's gonna leave because i think now it's 
hit the right stage where it can, it can hook in and actually get better and better. Um, the fact that you can get like, you know, really great concert seats from a VR experience is, is just enough of the resolution in there. And um, I think we'll get into more and more of the experience. And, you know, like I said, whether it's glasses on your face or a room that's projected with all of the information around you, uh, like a holodeck, sort of thing, uh, that's, that's the difference, I think. But I think it'll still be a VR experience, mm-hmm. whether, like I said, whether it's a, a he- headset or whether it's, you know, a, uh, a room or eventually plugging in your optic nerve or whatever. And I think, yeah, the next order line is, is theoretically possible, <laughs> but, you know, that would be the holy grail for us in terms of experience. Yeah, that's, you know, I think what we want yeah, to do is probably create a experience couple that people can enjoy. Yeah, right. They can, they can participate, but at the same time, VR can be tiring as hell, too. Because <laughs> actually running around and moving your arms around and waving them when you're fighting with a sword is tiring. You have to get in good shape for it. You can't be a lazy gamer for <laughs> that stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, if it gets everybody in shape, that's a cool <laughs> side effect. But... Yeah, right. You basically have to be an astronaut at that point. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. We could use that. It's like Pokemon Go to the next level, you know? Get everybody. Then we can finally out, you know? stop getting the sun. Yeah. Stop hating on gaming. You know, they, they talk about just, how good it whatever is. they don't understand, it can easily yeah. blame people. Um, other than taking personal moral responsibility for something and understanding that, you know, anything can be turned into, you know, something terrible if, you, if you're imbalanced. And, uh, you know, the thing is, depiction is not consent, right? If depiction was consent, then we'd all be cool with murder. You murder all the time, basically. Uh, but depiction is not consent. You see horrible things in a movie, but you can dissociate enough to go, yep, okay, that was right. an experience, you know, a horror film or whatever, a drama, a TV drama. And you're not going to go out and do those things. You just realize, wow, that was a cool story to see and understand, you know, and I, I, my, my, my perspective is broadened. And, you know, that's basically what the medium is for gaming. It's that you're involved in it. Um, there are some controversial things, of course, you know, that are going to challenge us, but that's the, that's what took any medium. We push into new, new kinds of uh, actions and there'll always be that, that one group that thinks you're going too far. I mean, the BBC had this, you know, one old lady who was screaming about Dr. Who back in the day. Um, and we kind of laughed at but she was saying it's immoral, there's death and stuff. And, you know, <laughs> That was like for the fourth doctor, <laughs> and it was only because it got more like dark theater kind of thing, and yeah, actually yeah, explored the human that. condition that she started complaining about it. And I was like, oh my god, okay. So there are always people who are like kind of ancient about their understanding of a medium, I... and yeah, well, she's long gone. I hope that lady is the day. You know, you know she was very vocal about it. And she actually got some of those episodes, like you know, either, <laughs> um, turned. A little nicer or even completely rewritten and that was that was her thing you know so yeah i hope that people will as as the generations grow up have a broader understanding of it can understand that they aren't it's not something to protest just like D was protested when you know we were young it was like people oh you're you know you're, right. you're worshiping Satan. and you're like no i'm casting magic missile at the darkness and that's I love Rangers. Um, unless I'm in a dungeon. In which case, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I can track. 
but um, Rangers are fun. Yeah, and I like um, I like yeah, Phoenix yeah. Mm. I can. Rogues, I can look, rogues I, have just a lot of fun being rogues. I mean, I guess because I, I grew up with Lord of the Rings, and I I, I read The Hobbit in fourth grade. Yeah, and we, I we actually. Yeah, and I read Tolkien's long, drawn-out, lyrical (laughs) storyline. But um, I thought Rangers were cool. I thought it was fun to be outdoors. I grew up near Yosemite. I used to run around there all the time imagining (laughs) battles with goblins and orcs and fighting those things. And it was was fun. And that's what I like to play. Um, And rogues are fun because you can be that X factor and do all kinds of fun stuff. We have a yeah. We have a session zero on Monday. Who doesn't like doing that much damage though? We're uh, we're starting a campaign. We got a session zero on oh, Monday, yeah. and I'm playing a rogue in that one. But I usually gravitate yeah, yeah. more towards uh, barbarian. Um, I like. To yeah, I played a, a, like a cobra with a, with a pickup game with some friends, and <laughs> the rock star of that one, Abby, she played a, a turtle druid, which I never imagined. But it was so cool to see this like slow turtle, you know, doing this really cool stuff, and then shape shifting with a bear or what have you, and just kicking all kinds of butt. But she was amazing at it, so it was, it was fun to see the versatility of the classes. Yeah, they're great. And I was that, the fun thing about that one, that yeah, experience was as, as we were all online game. playing it, I would I was just sitting there sketching and drawing the characters and situations, and just holding up to the camera to kind of help out with you know some of the narrative just to just to help myself with like quick, quick drawing and also just to amuse everybody. And it was, it was pretty fun. Everyone was like really into it. I didn't realize I could speed up portals very well, but I I, can. Yeah. The drawing is actually on my Instagram. So (laughs) it's up there. Listen, you learn something new every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to check it out. I have a, a very important question. Everyone probably knows what I'm about to ask, but I read I, I read your bio and I'm like, it says he does. You practice martial arts. Um, I need to know what kind. I do. Uh, what what uh, Jin Fanji Kundo and Kalia Screamer. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I'm way out of oh, practice nice. now, That's but awesome. I, I do love trapping. I like punching and kicking, and um, you know, which leads into a little bit of grappling. I have friends who are like into jujitsu and show me all kinds of cool stuff. And I have friends that are in. Aikido, which showed me all kinds of cool throws and locks. And what's nice is JKD can incorporate all that stuff because whatever works for you in the way that you like to fight, that's what I like. Um, what do you practice? Man, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that is awesome. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu mostly is my um, yeah. my gym. That's what our main thing is, but we do Muay Thai, Judo. Awesome. I have a black belt type of judo. That's but yeah, oh, man. Yeah, no, ten years. 10 oh man, years that's of training that's just to get. A you know what? It's so much fun. It's like insane. I, I had a, a, I had a, a tournament. Like a, it was like a semi sparring tournament where I knew a little bit of jiu-jitsu more than my my opponent did, and we both went to the ground, and he tried to twist away from me, and I'm like, "Are you crazy? I mean, you're right there." So I slapped a, a rear naked on him, and I just kind of like whispered, and he's like, "Hey, just tap out when you know, yeah. when just starts to hurt too much." But I couldn't. I couldn't believe he. We were on. We were, you know, we were sparring. Yeah, that's great. I, I grabbed him. We went down together, and then he twisted away from me. And I'm like, "What are you? Why would you do that? <laughs> and why do you explode your neck like that? I'm right here. Yeah. 
I mean, I could have punched him, but I'm like, we couldn't hear the punching on the ground. We were sparring. I was like, okay. Yeah. It still amuses me today of how many people underestimate martial artists. Like, you know, the people, the street fighters, so-called, say that, oh, your martial arts won't work on me. We have, we have countless videos of why martial arts is a good discipline. I mean, not only for kids, but for adults, too. So yeah, like, even the basics of keep your keep your hands high and your head get down. Parking lot fights where they're like wide swinging, yeah, yeah. jaws exposed, and they're like, you know, basically <laughs> shoving their, their uh, yeah. most sensitive parts at you. Like, okay, that's exposed. Yeah. Um, I've seen yeah, guys grab their thumbs to make a fist. Your like, Are you nuts? <laughs> yeah, generally. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. one of my favorite experiences. Oh, yeah. I mean, wow. I know we're doing a time, but I just wanted to say real quick. For Buffy, yeah, I got I to work with uh, the stunt good. people for it, and uh, they were amazing martial artists. They were like. And acrobats, and they could do all kinds of crazy stuff, like you know, full-on pratfalls and takedowns and slamming themselves through tables, and they'd be fine to get back up again. But for the, the martial arts aspect of it, you know, um, yeah. Sophia Crawford was a stunt double for Buffy, and when, when she went to her stance, it was immediately you could tell it was Buffy. That kind of really cool, like her left arm was down, her right arm was by her cheek, yeah, and it was that perfect stance. I was like, oh, there it is. There's Buffy right there. Yeah, that's what so makes Buffy me had this know. mode where called stopping, where she was walking carefully, and I was, we were trying to talk to Sophia about how that walk looked, <laughs> and you know we were trying to describe it, and finally I just said to her like, "Look, it's it's Bruce Lee walking through the mirrors in Game of Death." And she, oh, she, oh, got it. She immediately knew exactly what it was. I mean, she, she could walk really that perfect yeah. walk, and it was perfect. Awesome. Yeah. But um, just having the respect of martial arts and seeing it in games now more than ever, it's like I can respect fighting games a lot more when they start using more actual techniques. I like the fantasy stuff too, of course. It's amazing. But like just like you were explaining with the, the stance and whatnot. Sure, it's just yeah. So I mean, yeah. For games, you have to have people, like you know, some take from that you know, well. disbelief where people just don't weigh anything. But at the same time, it's nice to see those moves being used. I like yeah, see more yeah. of it, actually. And in fact, for Highlander, we had been studying longsword techniques. I didn't yeah. know there was so much martial arts in longsword. There's a, ever watch on YouTube like some longsword takedown from the English or Germanic systems. There are some full-on oh, yeah. like martial arts takedowns where you they look way cooler than anything you've seen on TV. Way cooler. There's like full-on like blocking somebody, grabbing both their hands yeah. and basically um, flipping them downwards. You know, on their, using their own weight. Yeah. They're... Like, that's just a martial arts takedown, but holy crap. I didn't know you could do that with a longsword. And um, <laughs> they are. They are. But just if you ever watch like the old school, like those he, those HEMA guys just the are, technique are of how you disarm somebody with a longsword, it's super cool. It looks exactly like, a, you know, in some cases a judo takedown or a jiu-jitsu takedown or a martial arts takedown. And in fact, and, and John Wick does the same thing. He does some of those takedowns you know, straight up flying armbar technique <laughs> combined with a gun to the head. That's super cool. And that's the hybridization yeah. is actually something else I like to see in games too. You know, I, I, <laughs> like if you were to make a John Wick game, it wouldn't work unless you were to, able to do some of those moves. Like, you know, you were able to do 
do a jujitsu takedown, like a flying arm bar or, yeah. a, or a, a victor's throw mm-hmm. and be able right, to exactly. roll somebody and then, you know, pop up with your gun, plug them twice, and plug the guy next to him, you know? <laughs> That's why for me, um, when Arkham Asylum came out, that was like the pinnacle of like, wow, this is the perfect yeah, mix that's, of that's fantasy. That's what kills me with, because with when we were making Highlander, I was amazed. It was coming. Arkham we were Asylum. developing. We didn't even know this. We were developing at the same time as as Batman, and we had a we had a similar system where if you attacked her and you hit the you know the counterattack button at the right time, she would do a you know a certain kind of counter move, and you could combo into it. And because because of that. You know, IDOS was owned by Warner Brothers at the time. Or no, Warner Brothers mm-hmm. and Games was, wasn't, wasn't a separate entity. It was publishing through IDOS. Um, but they were also publishing Batman, that first one, IDOS was. They came up to us and they showed us an early de- development of Batman. Like, you guys are doing the same thing as Batman. We're like, what? And we looked at it and we're like, yeah, they're doing a freaking amazing thing. And so uh, I, got to, <laughs> I got to mess around with the combat system the summer before it came out, which was fantastic. <laughs> Um, oh, that's rough. Yeah, just just the counter system is is awesome, you know, and um, that's why we learned longsword because the counter techniques look so freaking cool. Oh, yeah, and if you use Kalia Screamer blocks too, there's also that really cool counter attack techniques. Some of which will break arms, some of which will cut off heads. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, um, we had done a vertical slice you, you and they, they didn't finish we'd it gone through publishing and because of a publishing rights kind of conflict, I believe, and I can't really speculate too much on it, but I think that's what it was. Uh, they just killed the game mm-hmm. because I think that they were really happy with our vertical slice and oh, okay. some of it showed up in Tomb Raider, which is interesting. We, you know, because we, was our publisher and, you know, some of our stuff disappeared <laughs> oh, the game disappeared, but then some of that stuff that we had done, boy, it sure looked similar in the new highlight. You know. But I have a whole separate rant about getting ripped off, about ideas oh, ripped man. off the games. But, um, there's, mm. The thing is that, uh, yeah, it was, unfortunately, oh. it was something like that. Because I had a fantastic team. It was with Spark, who these guys were on the first Call of Duty, and they broke out from EA to form Spark. And we were doing Highlander, and it was so much fun to work on because we had a, this fantastic team. Like, just you couldn't believe like people we'd done. Like a lot of the concept artists we were working with had gone on to work at Marvel Studios for the movies, you know. And, and it was really cool to be able to tap these guys and work with them on this kind of stuff, and um, just have this. For me, it was, it was one of the games where, as an art director, I really felt like just super proud of the team and how much the work we'd done on it. Yeah. Well, we, we leveraged a lot of that stuff into a lot yeah, of time. It sounds like it would have been a great game. I really enjoyed that game a lot. <laughs> and that, that was just unfortunate because oh, yeah. uh, politics in that one, too, killed the end of that game. But we were we were really enjoyed making it. A great team. And like I said, everybody who's worked on these games have gone on to other games. And, you know, I have friends that worked on Lost Planet 3 and, and Highlander who worked on Spider-Man, God of War. They're on those teams, you know, and, and they're they're amazing. And it's just fun to see that I celebrate their success. And I hope that they're even doing more stuff. It's I'm really proud of all of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I bet it's a big deal for everybody to. Uh, be yeah, and it's a testament to how good of a team we have. Touch so many people that uh, I mean, we had know, a, that end up being. Yeah, we didn't have near the size of a team that modern AAA games have, and we were able to, you know, pull off a lot of those tricks for something that was basically PS3 level game, but it was just cool. But if you guys want, I can send you the link to the video for the the highlighter game, so you guys can see it for yourselves. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. But yeah, oh, yeah. that's, that's basically what, yeah, I mean, I, I love oh, yeah, the people I've met in the gaming industry that. because they're all, nine times out of 10, they're in the same stuff I was into. Like I can mention old school Transformers episodes, and they'll be like, yeah, I know that one. Or I can talk about this and the North Star, you know, they, they love that stuff. And just all the stuff that I love, <laughs> they, their people are into it too. That's where I met some of my best friends. Hey, feel free. Good. So I don't want to take up all your time, but I do have a couple more questions. Uh, what uh, Final Fantasy VII Remix I'm finally trying to finish right that off. Like what, 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 what are some of your favorite with the, with the PS5 launch, I got sidetracked with all those games, and I finished them all. Yeah. Oh, God, I got to go back and you know, finish Final Fantasy. Um, yeah. Uh, right. We. I just played... Uh, Oddly enough, I had never finished uh, uh, Kingdom Hearts with my girlfriend, so we, we went through it over the Christmas break and finished it, which was fun. And um, yeah, I, I played Gran Turismo. I've got the new GR Yaris nice. um, four-speed. Uh, the GR Yaris, uh, was it, uh, four-wheel drive, which is freaking awesome, it's turbo. It's not come out here yet, which but the car is making waves right now in Europe. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's in Gran Turismo, so I'm enjoying that uh, a lot. Um, Streets of Rage, played the crap out of that game. Uh, dude, the new one is fantastic. The feel is incredible. Oh man, I used to play the that gameplay back on is just Sega Genesis. Deep, so the combo system yep. is great. If you like, you know, beat 'em ups, yeah, you play that game. It's awesome. Yeah, totally, oh, yeah. totally. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of other, you know, the old uh, Teenage Mutant games, games I'm just, like, Nintendo. jumping into and, and playing so. with friends. So, you know, whatever I can get my hands on and just kind of check out. It's a lot of fun. Oh, but I, I do suck at first-person shooters now. And what happened? I've written... Well, that's because you got all the yeah, yeah, twelve-year-olds that are just spot yeah, on, and the reaction time is like on just, a. Dime I know what it is. I just because they've been playing games. I like third-person action adventure games, most of all. So that's been my jam. Um, you know, any kind of DLC I can play for right, right. You know, Ghost of Shima and stuff like that. It's just been a lot of fun. I mean, it's even though you, you see it being made, it's still fun to play. Uh, even though you know the burrito is made, you can still enjoy the burrito. So it's it's kind of a weird thing. I, yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good sign. No, no, I I worked in restaurants for a long time, and believe me, that analogy hits home. Because when you go to a place and you see the kitchen, yeah, and you're like, oh, these people are eating this. Yeah, mm, I don't know end, if I want to. It's like if you can make your food is not as good too, as I thought it was. That's, you know, that that's what I'm tasked with basically. Is every time I I, I step into a game. You know, you bring all that experience. Uh, about what would you want to see in a game? Then, if you have any criticisms about it, 
you're in the industry, you have a responsibility to bring your experience and try to make it a better experience for somebody else. And that's, that's a beautiful thing, actually. It's like, you know, you put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> People are like, uh, you know, so what will you do about it? Like, oh, crap. Good point. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll do this and this. Yeah, so you can create that. You got to make a new burrito, too. So, But I think that's, that's the best thing about it. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> actually, that... Uh... That... That leads into a question I have for you too. Um, so I saw, I think we've covered it on another podcast that um, a developer poll was taken and it, I think it was the runners were, or let's say the, the top two were Ghost Tsushima and Last of Us 2. And I they voted on Last of Us 2 from a developer standpoint. And so I'm sort of, it, it, I mean, the perfect segue is, you know, what do you think about that in terms of from a developer wow. standpoint, okay. why so, one might prefer uh, Last of Us 2 compared to Ghost of Tsushima. Studios and both your engines are fantastic. But uh, having, I have had more yeah. direct <laughs> experience with uh, with Naughty Dog's engine. Uh, oh, yeah, because yeah. Because VASG is more, we, we've been making more stuff for Naughty Dog for longer. Um, I think mm -hmm. it's probably because of the way that it renders certain things and the way that um, some of the tool sets have been done. Um, there's uh, some advantages that I think they have, but it's, it's it, each one is something else better, right? Like the light gathering system for, for uh, the way Last of Us does things is really great. But the wildlife system, like the, the grass system for uh, Kyosushima is incredible. So depending on the kind of game you're making, if you prefer that kind of stuff, um, you get you know a lot of specialized tools in each engine. And without giving away too much, I could see why a developer might prefer Last of Us 2s because of you know um, because of, of some of the things that they do that are pretty high end. I mean, there's some stuff that they do, and I work with Unreal all the time. And Unreal's a fantastic engine. Uh, and I, while I think that Unreal is because mm -hmm. it's a consumer product. It's more user friendly, but there is some specialized stuff that uh, that the Naughty Dog engine can do that's pretty damn incredible, and I'm I'm just blown away mm -hmm. by some of the stuff that it can do, to be honest. Um, and while it's not as like I said, not as user friendly as a Unreal game, um, the specialized things that it does well, it does incredibly well. Um, there's like you know lighting and and just the way that I say it again. Like, just the way it does lighting and rendering is fantastic. The way that it incorporates mm -hmm. all of our systems together, um, the data that we give it. Like, I think you guys saw the scene where Ellie was uh, playing the guitar at the beginning for the announcement for Last of Us 2. Uh, when she flexes her hand and then closes her hand into like a fist, her knuckles turn white. Um, that's part of the systems mm -hmm. that we have for being able to do um, on the fly color map changes and normal map changes to our hand and that's a pretty cool system. And I think that's, you know, it's cool to see that in play up close and, and to see that working. I mean, Ghost has that stuff too on their faces. But I think it's just cool to see it like in other, other parts of the body and stuff like that in, in Last of Us 2 and to see how their coordinated AI system works. And there's just a lot of really cool aspects to their, their engine. And 
I can't really explain that much if I give myself away and without also saying that, you know, it's also pretty deep <laughs> to talk about. But yeah, it, 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 what it does for what the game is, it's so specialized, but it works so well. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it also uh, jargon. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we don't want to give away trade secrets, of course. Like, yeah, it's, but it's... um. Yeah, but I, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't understand half of it anyway, but I can. It, it, it also makes sense too with Last of Us 2 when you put them side by side. You know, uh, Ghost of Shima, while it does have beautiful coloring and especially with the environments and things, Last of Us 2 is just brighter. You know, it's lighter. You can see more that you're, you're more focused on those smaller yeah. details, at least to me. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm interpreting it wrong, but yeah. Ghost of Shima has a lot more grays, you know, a little more. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be sort of a, it's supposed to give kind of a post-apocalyptic feel with sort of the Mongol invasion, you know. So it's whereas yeah, Last of Us Two is more of okay, the the environment's taking back, you know, the every the, everything's covered in weeds and jungle and all that stuff. So you know, I can kind of see where something like and, and people wouldn't even notice something like yeah. that with where she balls her hand up in the white cup, but somebody yeah. like in your part of Ghost is, is you know art direction and go, oh wow, is, that's that's awesome. Know, how, so small. Like I said, with the know, lighting for Last that's of Us cool 2, that you have that the way that they do bounce light is really incredible. And the, the, the gap system for rendering it, right, exactly. ambient occlusion and bounce light is really amazing. But yeah, it's, it, mm -hmm. if you're talking about developer friendliness, yeah, there's, anytime you have a specialized engine, you've got to go through a training session for a few weeks to get yeah. to understand the engine. Because there's a bunch of there's a bunch of like specialized stuff, and there's also legacy items you have to look at. If you think about it, they've been building on the same engine for you know decades. So it's like you know, there's some tools they don't use anymore, some that they do, some that have changed, some that are seemingly archaic looking, but wow, do they perform? And so you right, have to right. kind of learn all that stuff. And so yeah, it has, it's more about features than than developer friendliness, I suppose is the word. There's the features and the way that executes features are pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. So. Right, right, right. I play a lot of games like God of War and uh, all these other games. And a lot of times I'll think to myself, like, man, I wish this had some kind of co-op or multiplayer or a way to experience this with friends. Do you think that putting some kind of multiplayer in an experience like that would be too difficult or take away from the single-player experience? Or um, do you just it's, think it's that's just something that do that. they simply decide it's on? It's always the -go fun to have another player in the that. game. Uh, if you could, you would we would do it all the time, I mean. But it's such a bespoke experience from that camera angle and that character. It, it really complicates things once you add another character, um, even for how AI works, how rendering works, how syncing up works. And there, I mean, Ghost of Tsushima has a multiplayer mode, so it's obviously, right? So we can, we can add that kind of thing. But then there's also storyline elements where like, you know, who would you be playing? Would you be playing as Atreus and as Kratos? Right, right, right. And, you know, how would that work? And, because mm -hmm. Atreus is cool as a as a kind of AI pop up character, but you want to develop. If you were playing him, you would only have like four different kinds of arrows, and right. would be vulnerable to pretty much everything. <laughs> you get killed by everything. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So if you don't want to have a subservient role, <laughs> that'd be like the sucker that um, had to play tails. You know, on Sonic. you want to be able to do things, and that's where you know you, what role you play and what significance you play in the storyline is something you have to consider. And so, it's, like I said, it's such a bespoke experience to the player that's you know Kratos. It, it's just hard to imagine being able to bring somebody else in there that could be you know as different but powerful it's possible but you know it, it's also difficult once you have them going off in their own direction and you start running away away <laughs> running around and breaking stuff um <clears throat> you have to be a lot of arenas like little arenas and stuff like that and it would change part of the the streamline of the experience i think it's possible and don't get me wrong it's it's, it's all possible it's just it's just a lot more work because you want to keep the quality of the experience as high for all the players. And that means just as much work for player two as for player one. I gotcha. One. In terms of creation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no, I, I just I, get I so into them, I mean, but that, I'm just that like, would be a different I just, almost mode of game. I would play this so much more um, if I could just run and that's, friends and what have That's something that's so. happening more and more as they're making their single player games. Now they're making a separate multiplayer game, but that's not... Right versus but actually is a multiplayer experience and that's starting to happen more and more in gaming as well um you know i think as as, as you demand it people will make it if they you know vote with your wallet like they say and be vocal and because fans now have more voice than ever I mean, the death threats and stuff like that are horrible. Oh, yeah. you want to have Unfortunately for you guys, I I'm, hear I'm some pretty messed up stories yeah, it's, about it's that. A poor Project Red, they, yeah, they got literally. the worst of the worst experiences with that, you know, just for promising to deliver a game and trying to get it out. It's like, wait a minute, it might be broken. Let's hang on for a second. And everyone's going, no, release it now. But uh, it was horrible. Yeah, that, that's the the puerile infantilism of it was just yeah oh, so annoying because i felt bad for them as soon as that happened i was like guys if they delayed it by a year you should be happy that's like that's that means that they're polishing the crap out of it yeah exactly you know the people will get pissed that they're not pumping yeah. the games out faster. <laughs> but then whenever they, I don't do think push anybody's going to ever push. They're not Project done. Red then they get, get pissed that it wasn't anymore. finished. It's like, well, uh, you can't have the balls. What do you want? It's cool, but you know it happens all the time. Like you know, Last of Us got delayed and stuff. Like that. <laughs> but we got a better experience out of it, and that's that's why we that's why we delay it. We don't want to delay it. Believe believe me, the publishers don't want to delay it. The the developer doesn't want to delay it. People in crunch don't want to delay it, but you, you do the most you can. You, you take the best bet you can with the time you have, and then that's what you end up with. It's like maybe it needs to be delayed uh, because it's a much, it's, it's not like film, you know, you don't just film it and go. It has to be an interactive experience that people enjoy. And again, fans, constructive fan criticism is what I'm talking about. That that stuff is great. We'd love to hear that kind of stuff, you know. Like, like, like I was talking about Spider Man, that one experience where, hey, every time I beat the stealth mission, I fail because everybody comes running out anyway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that feedback was taken to heart. Like, okay, we get it. That's an experience. So let's change that experience. And that that kind of, even when you're talking about, like, hey, I'd love to play, fan, like a, you know, a, a two-player mode. Well, we want to give you that experience. The more people talk about it, the more excited they get when it's announced, the more they blare about it on YouTube. And for us, good reaction videos on YouTube are like crack cocaine for developers. 
uh, we look at that like, oh, thank God they liked it. You know, it's like great to see and they're tearing up too. And, <laughs> you know, they're enjoying it. <laughs> That's why we make these games. You know, we, we want the fans to be happy. We <laughs> want people to be happy. We want to see people succeed. And that's, you know, right, so talking right. about the fan experience, like I said, if you keep it constructive and not rant about something you hate that you felt was, you know, not in your headcanon <laughs> or your fanfic, you know, uh, we can take those more to heart and actually start working on how to get those kinds of things in games. Because uh, we want to have <laughs> that back and forth. A lot of people who are in games were fans <laughs> too. And, yeah, it does. you know, we're, we're, we're fans too, and so we want to see that. And other developers are fans yeah, too. Exactly. So sure if we can, well, if I can put any message out there, I'd say, hey, mm -hmm. you know, keep up the vocalism of constructive criticism and being able to say this is great, but or this is cool, but but don't just go out there and start hating on somebody or, or you know like trashing their choice of storyline. You can disagree with a storyline for example, say this was not to my enjoyment. That's fine. That that that's constructive criticism. Yeah, that's saying the person who developed this, I will personally assault their choice. Their lifestyle and send them death threats. That's not good. That's not constructive. What does that do? But you know, make people entrench yeah, themselves in their point of view more. Yeah, it's like it, you don't. It it also makes your your whatever construction of opinion you had yeah, invalidated absolutely. because you're surrounding it by all this oh, crap. Right. You know? right. No one can eat a sandwich if it's you know covered in crap. You have to sandwich your people to eat it and think about it and enjoy it. It's true on both sides. Mm -hmm. It's true on both sides of the, of the of the screen. Whether you're a developer, <laughs> or whether you're a fan, you want to be able to develop stuff that people will. If even if it's a controversial thought, you have to surround it with something that people can ingest mm -hmm. and accept and understand. And again, we're talking about representation. We want representation as a depiction, not as a this is the way you should live your life right. because, you know, that's not what we're all about. It's we're just trying to say. Hey, this is a depiction of a real of, of a what we believe is like you know something real, yeah, something cool, and we're trying to include more people. That's what diversity is for us. It's not about like dictating that now this you know all the members have to be this race or have to be this gender or have to be this thing. We're, we're we're trying to make something that's cool and inclusive because you know I'm Asian. Growing up, I didn't see a lot of Asian people oh, in no, movies, yeah, yeah. and it's cool to see more of that now. You know, it's cool to see him in Mandalorian. It's cool to see him in, in you know, uh, Spider-Man. It's cool to see him. You know, those kind of things are important to us because we all want good representation, not just representation, but good representation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um. I like Initial D for racing. I like Fist of North Star for violence. <laughs> I like uh, uh, I like Haikyuu for sports. Um, I mean, I like oh, all kinds. Yeah, of there you go. I like Sailor Moon. I just think it was just funny. It's got really cool storylines. Um, you know, uh, I like My Hero Academia. I like uh, Right On Soul Eater. Uh, good stuff. Um, you know, Shield Hero was cool. I really enjoyed yes. that. Uh, yes. Yeah, it, anime is transcendent. That it has, there's some amazing storylines that are yeah, going that through there. And when, once you get into it, and I'm a huge Naruto fan. My dog is named Neji. Come on. Um, yeah, it's it, yeah. <laughs> nice. That's great. Yes, yeah. I picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, 
you know, you uh, it's, it's that kind of stuff that <laughs> I, mean, I love. There's all kinds of cool, you know, <laughs> Matt Cross Saga and all the old school stuff is, is amazing too. But yeah, and as a as a person who likes cars, Initial D was just a lot of fun to watch, um, yeah, and I learned a lot too. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, it's cool. Like it, it's almost funny how it doesn't matter what the meat, what the actual like. Um, if it's a sports anime, for example, it almost doesn't matter what the sport is, just some really cool interactions that go on. You get to go on their journey and, and follow along and inter- just be interested in that. So yeah, that's that's kind of stuff I like. How about you guys? What do you guys like for anime? Yeah, Dragon Ball. Uh, Dragon Ball. Yeah, I've loved that since I was a kid. Uh, more recently, uh, Demon Slayer is a really good one. Yeah, um, that's intense. Yeah, you thought this North Star was over the top. Oof, Baki. Baki, that's a really out there one. I yeah. love Baki. Oh, you're getting your finger in my, in my <laughs> eye. I'll just pull that hand out. <laughs> yeah, Baki is like that on the like, next level. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the live action for that was also really tough. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that, Uh, I mean, I've, I haven't really been able to. I've watched any TV or anything lately. I've just been working and doing this. And so uh, I can't even remember the last one I actually binge watched. There were some weird ones on Netflix that way back in the day that I've yeah. I watched. I like Seven Deadly Sins. Too. I don't even remember what they're called. Yeah, they're so small. Just... Seven Deadly Sins. That did look good. I still haven't seen that. Yeah, Sun Jackson's <laughs> great. I'm uh, waiting for the next season for that. They kind of, no, they like to really cut yeah, it off at uh, cliffhangers exactly on that one. I'm like, hey, oh, here's oh no, oh, I want more. And um, God, one I really want to like in terms of story, but can't stand in terms of animation is, is Black Clover. I, I really, I want to like it, but I can't stand the animation. <laughs> it's like, oh God. Black why is, why is like, the D team on this? One? Um, I think they spend all their money on the opening and at the end credits. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, the, they, they paid the musician yeah, really... all the money. <laughs> and I feel it's actually a good story. Line, a cool yeah. storyline. Oh, yeah. But if yeah, it's hard to look yeah, at, good. it's kind of, uh, it doesn't matter how good the story is. That's, yeah, that's true. I'm a, oh, yeah. Bleach is cool. I'm a big fan of Bleach, Bleach and I heard that they're finally going to animate the final his arc journey has been super cool for the anniversary. Just seeing so, like how he, how he, you know, yeah, created thing now control That'll be fantastic. It's just, just cool. In fact, it's interesting because we talked about this, I think, for a couple of different games. That the, the way the East and yeah, the West mm-hmm. perceive power and and uh, ability is slightly different. Like for the West, having more armor means you're more powerful. But in the East, having less armor means you're more powerful because you means you're skilled enough to like dodge or block or get out of the way. And so it's really interesting to see how that works, <laughs> the dynamic of it. But you know, it just it, it's something we I think about a lot when I'm 
for doing character design because I have a methodology for for concept and character creation mm -hmm. that we apply. And you know, it allows you to to relax about the rendering and think more about uh, what you're designing. Like concept design and illustration are two separate things, so it's really interesting to apply concept art to games. Not about the final. It is about the final product, but it's not about the final product when it comes to drawing. So it's it's cool to always work with concept mm -hmm. artists. They're an amazing brain trust for me. Yeah, it's understand. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But I'm just curious: is there is there anything that you're currently working on that you can talk about? <laughs> um, Patreon. Uh, I'm going to launch a Patreon soon. Um, I'm doing a Legacy of Cain art Patreon <laughs> that I'll be launching. That like a bunch of art that I'll be doing on that. But nothing, anything game wise. Nah, sorry, got the giant NDA. Yeah. Um, I can tell you I'm working on it. Your brain, yeah, that's understandable. Sorry, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's <laughs> super cool. I though. just had to see. I just had to see. <laughs> Listen, that's all we need, yeah, right? We just, yeah, I can we gotta get ourselves hyped up, right? If he tells everything, yeah, then it won't be yeah, as exciting. Like I said, working on like Death Stranding and being able to see that develop, or being able to see um, Spider-Man develop mm -hmm. and God of War develop was just super cool and you know just being able to throw that on a, on a dev kit and being able to play it it's a lot of fun and days gone yeah, too days gone was really cool in terms of the swarm and being able to cut down a swarm oh, of awesome. those freakers it's fun yeah i absolutely love that game <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot of <laughs> Amazing um, stuff. I, I think I'll tell you this about game development. There's like, there's a real gratitude and sense of excitement in the things that we're making. And every time I get a chance to learn more about it, I'm just like blown away. I'm like, oh my god, this? That's incredible. People are gonna freak out. And then I go to YouTube and specifically look for that point, and people freak out just like I thought. I'm like, yeah, I freaked out over that too, just a little bit earlier. <laughs> Like when I was scanning Matt's Mickelson, I was like, oh my God, people are going to freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's just like the, that. Was, and he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, and then, guy. damn, there you go. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. No, I can say that. The game is uh, pretty great. And it's uh, fun. I'm glad he's working on The story on cool is very, stuff, very uh, Kojima esque. Can't wait to see what happens there and learn more about it. I've been even like um, doing stuff. We did some scanning for uh, Jedi Fallen Order, and that was a lot of fun to work with because um, a lot of those actors I'm big fans of. You know, It's, it's just um, it's one of those things where uh, you get a chance to get like look behind the curtain, even for another game that you weren't normally a part of, and um, you get to work with some amazing people. And that, that's mm -hmm. honestly um, one of the coolest things. Like, I'm, I'm a huge Stargate fan for the TV show. And I got to scan Tony Amendola. And that was, I scanned a lot of people. 
but that was the one time I super geeked out because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I just start girl. And, um, you know, we talked about his career, like working on Zorro <laughs> and stuff like that. He took a picture with me. It was really, nice. I never, I usually don't take, I usually don't take photographs with the talent because I don't like to bug them and be like, you know, fanboy or like that. But I had to with Tony because, yeah, he's Master Braytac. Come on. It's like, yeah. Love Star <laughs> So it's, that was like, coolest moment for me yeah exactly come on that's awesome and that's you know when people think about making games you know it's probably a lot of oh they're just sitting behind a desk and not really interacting with anybody but you know it it really is people's it's been really difficult you know you're working with so many teams and um, pandemic and departments one thing that's super cool about game development is you could look over your shoulder and see somebody working on something else completely. You're like, holy cow, we're cool. Like, you know, even for um, um, for Last of Us 2, mm-hmm. I could see like them making the, the, the dead bodies and some of the, the cool um, uh, clickers, the new ones, and how they were incorporated into the, the environment, how they keep rushing out at you and the ambush tactics. And it's cool to see, like, over, look over your shoulder and see that. And, oh, that's super cool. People are gonna freak. Like, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and again, I would like look up on YouTube and go, like, "Let's see if somebody reacted to this." <laughs> oh, sure enough, you that's know, gonna be awesome. Yeah, exactly. By, by a, a clicker, they they freak out. Because I did too. I mean, I, when I was, you when I played Resident Evil the first time, I freaked out when the dogs jumped through the window. I dropped the controller. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh geez. Oh my god! Yeah, I remember that. And back then, that was like a unique thing. Like there weren't yeah, yeah. any no, games it was, really. It was really cool. Really, it's also uh, cool to see like the differences between certain that. kinds of horror. They were able to do like for example, whenever uh, it first came out. For example, uh, Resident Evil is a kind of uh, like jump out, jump scare kind of thing, whereas um, Silent Hill was more of a slow descent into horror, and which I thought was actually because like Resident mm-hmm. Evil is alarming, mm-hmm. but you know right. But Sound Hill is just terrifying. <laughs> Silent, oh, Silent Hill is great. I mean, it just builds oh, yeah, that absolutely. existential dread. Yeah, exactly. Your radio it's just starts going to, and to going and get louder, it never static. stops. You don't oh, have time to breathe. You're like, mm. skittering nurse torso. Yeah. Incoming. What about that, uh, no, that Silent Hill PT uh, demo that they came out with uh, that people were freaking out about? I would have loved to have that game completely. Yeah. So... Oh, that was another thing. I got to scan, scan Gamma Del Toro. That was freaking rad. Oh, same. He's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that was for Death Stranding. And oh, really? Uh, what did you scan him for? Uh, which one was that yeah, for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we scanned him in. It was in Toronto. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, secrecy, I never right? played Death Stranding. So we were in the studio in, in this weird motion capture place because we had to get him during the Toronto Film Festival. So we came in there with all the people was thinking, oh, you're with the Toronto Film Festival. Yes, yes, we are. And then we the oh, wow. And we're like, there's nobody around. It's like it's, a, it's, like, it's like a gym in a park <laughs> that we, using as a, we set up as a scan location. <laughs> like, no one's going to notice us. No one's going to know we're here. And Suddenly, like you know, when Kojima came by, he got noticed, and people asked for his autograph. And we we're like, "Oh crap!" You know, it's like so when Guillermo, like, 
put a jacket over his head and kind of walk him into the style. No one knew that yeah, he was right. involved with this because holy crap, you know, that was like one of our best kept secrets <laughs> up until we revealed it. And, uh, and talking to Guillermo about filmmaking and his techniques and what he thinks, it's just so, so insightful, mm-hmm. so brilliant and so cathartic for me as an artist. Because he said, Guillermo said that, you know, um, sometimes you feel like a genius and sometimes you feel like a total hack and you shouldn't be in this industry. And I was like, oh my God, you feel that way too? He's like, yeah, I feel that way too. I'm a filmmaker, yeah. And like, well, how often does that happen? He's like, several times a day. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. If you feel that way, I feel totally validated about feeling that way because, you know, we all have an imposter syndrome. We all feel like, oh my God, I shouldn't be here. I'm not qualified. But you are qualified. You can do it. You're just, you know, in your own head sometimes. And when you hear someone like Guillermo say that, it just gives you a lot of confidence to say, yeah, okay, cool. Everyone feels this way. Even a creative genius, you know, it's awesome. So it, it for me, that was like the most comforting thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes me and feel a lot better. The stories he told were just <laughs> gems. Yeah, just hearing it, I'm like, wow, I feel a lot better. That's why I think that was my most enjoyable thing about um, Death Stranding, is all the actors they got to meet, just being able to have that experience, to value that to a degree. Get it. Well, right. All right. Yeah, thanks you guys for having me over. Well, I really appreciate it. I think uh, I think that'll wrap it up. Uh, I really appreciate <laughs> you coming on and talking to us. No, it was super cool to have you here. You're a cool dude. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, happy. Hey, happy to, you got that rant saved up. We can have you on another Just podcast. Give me, you, can, give me a call. you can let it fly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah, this Sounds is cool. cool. Yeah, for sure. Before we go, I just Thank want to give a shout out to my friend Lisa. She's the one who uh, set all this yeah. up for us. Thank you, you guys owe her a milkshake or something. Yeah, she's You're amazing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. See what I do for you, Lisa? Hell yeah. <laughs> a shipment of milkshakes. Milkshakes for a year. Right. Like I said, it was really fun to talk about games and stuff like that. If you guys ever want to <laughs> chat up again, especially about you know art and games or specific techniques or something like that, if, if I can't talk about it, I will. This has been another episode of the Mediocre Gaming Super Friends Committee. Follow us on Facebook at the Mediocre Gaming Super Friends Committee and on Twitter at MGSFC Gaming.